0: Welcome to Permission to Win, a podcast asking life's most fundamental questions, like what is permission, who needs my permission, and why are we talking about permission anyway? In each episode, your co-hosts explore different ways to say it's okay, discussing all the different permissions we need in our lives to do or not do the things that we do. Now, in case you think you need it, here's your permission to join David and Kim. Hey, David. Kim, have you ever been told
1: something was some something bad, and yet it turned into your superpower?
2: You mean like producing a podcast?
1: Yeah, like producing a podcast.
2: It's <laughs> called Permission to Win.
1: <laughs> it's a great name, David.
2: No, I've not. Ever, I've never been told that 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 something I was doing was horrible or bad or or uh, inappropriate. Or trust me, nobody's ever called me that. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, did you listen to the last episode? Wait,
1: <laughs> I think there are millions of people out there that are told that they have a certain little um, thing. I'll call it. That's a problem and it's actually possibly their superpower and they didn't know
2: it. It might, it might be. So this is an exciting day for permission to win. We've got Kim and we've got, well, me, I'm here. Uh, who, who knew? Uh, and Carrie is with us again. Hello, Carrie.
3: G'day mates.
2: <laughs> and we have our first We'll call him external guest. His name is Paul Farmer, a great friend of mine who we have worked together in our muggle jobs before, and we still work together on the side doing some things, and he lives here in Tennessee with me, and well, not with me, but near me, Anyway, either way, it's however you want to work with that, and
4: he is here, and he is our guest. Paul, welcome. Thank you very much, David. I'm so excited to be on your show. I've enjoyed listening to these podcasts, and uh, it's quite inspiring. So, Paul, you
2: explained to me, and we have discussed at some length in the past, about ADHD. Is that a, uh, another streaming service that they have out there, or what
4: is that? Could you explain <laughs> that for our uh, listening audience, there. Yeah, it, it's not just streaming; it's pay-per-view. I mean, it's it's living life <laughs> in, in full panoramic color, you know, Panavision. <laughs> but uh, no, it, it's an interesting uh, topic. Uh, you've heard people use the word ADD or ADHD, and it's commonly misdiagnosed because every time somebody sees a hyper child or a Uh, adult that's fidgety, they automatically assume they have ADHD, and that's not always the case, but it can be. And the term itself stands for Attention Deficit Disorder, and uh, that's ADD, and then Attention Deficit Hyperactive Disorder. However, the DSM, which is the primary manual that everybody goes to for psychological uh, diagnoses, it stands for the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. And the fifth edition calls this attention deficit hyperactive disorder, and they umbrella all of these different uh, conditions under one header of ADHD now. And their logic was, it used to be that people that were hyper on the outside were considered the ADHD and the people who were calm on the outside, but, you know, kind of out of control on the inside were ADD, but now they're all just ADHD. So that's... uh, that's been combined under one umbrella. But as somebody who grew up with this condition, I didn't even know it. I didn't even believe in it until, I don't know, around uh, I guess about 12, 13 years ago, I I went back to college late in life. And as I began, you know, studying, I as an adult that was responsible and trying to uh, put together why I needed to pay attention in class and why I needed to focus during test taking and things of that nature, I found that, uh, I was struggling and there were a lot of little things that were keeping me, uh, they were preventing me from being successful. So I began studying. I went down and saw a counselor and they said, Hey, you probably need to go see somebody and see a doctor and see, see if you've got ADD or something like that. So I did. And sure enough, I was formally diagnosed with ADHD. There are many, many different levels and I, I'm not a doctor. I'm not even pretending to be a doctor. I am very far from being a doctor, in fact. But I have done a lot of study on this because it's affected my life so, uh, in so many ways. But do you play one on TV? <laughs> not Is even that... close. Okay. I, I do have a shirt that says, trust me, I'm a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> but uh, one of the things I experienced when I first started dealing with this, I wrote several papers on ADHD in college. And so I discovered that To me i was excited about learning about myself and learning how to leverage these things and so i was i began giving presentations on why it's good to have adhd and i had i cannot tell you how many students came up to me or how many people came up after i spoke and said that really encouraged me i've always felt like a failure i always felt like i wasn't like everybody else and it was really a hopeless scenario and after hearing you tell about this, it really inspired me to try and do better. Like I can really leverage this. I don't feel such, like such an outcast. And my wife came and heard me speak at this one, and she told me she said I've got a friend at work that has a son that's been diagnosed with ADHD. He he's really dealing with a, a, a negative outlook on life. He's very depressed and upset about this. And he was a little. I mean, he's probably nine years old, ten years old. And she said, Would you consider talking to him? I'm like, sure. You know, I'll talk anyway. So I went up there one day when they were at the office the mom and the son came out and she said, Hey, this is Paul. This is Joe. You know? And so we talked for a minute and I told him, I said, I have ADHD also. He does really? I said, yeah. You know, I told him just a few little things that I was distracted, but I said, you know what? I think it's a special gift and it's a superpower. And I'm really excited that I have it. And his eyes got big. He said, really? And I just began telling him some of the other famous people that had ADHD. I said, you know, Michael Jordan, the basketball player, he has ADHD. And Justin Timberlake has ADHD. Oprah Winfrey has ADHD. And he didn't know all the names, but he knew enough of them to realize that some of the most influential people throughout history, people that had such an impact on a game or an art form had ADHD that he realized he was special. So a couple of weeks later, my wife told me that her friend came in and said, you cannot believe the change in my child. After that conversation, he's now excited that he can go to school and he can engage and be creative and, you know, color different colors outside the lines, you know, ADHD people love coloring outside the lines. Oh, <laughs> there's, there's not enough on this page. I'm going to add something to it. But, but that's really what I think uh, I'm encouraging people to do is lean into that, take full advantage of the diversity, take full advantage of those different ways of thinking and the the different perspective and different paradigm that you have. So it's been a it's been a real blessing to me from that at, uh, angle, but it wouldn't have if I hadn't discovered that there were tools I could use to kind of harness it and at least appear normal on the surface to the people that don't have this. You know,
3: I think we need to banish
4: that word. I love banishing that word. I hate the word normal. <laughs> <So>
1: <laughs> there's normal. Quote- Normal is a setting on the dryer and I don't want to be
4: normal. There you go. There, you know, (laughs) I, I, you can add this anytime I said the word normal today, add air quotes around it, like normal, you know, (laughs)
2: Paul, let me ask you right there. What does this diagnosis just by finding that out? Did that change, change everything? Or, I mean, did you just suddenly, oh, well, I've got this. Okay. Now I've I can just change my behavior and go someplace different and.
4: It's all right resolved. Well, so so that's a really good question by itself, because so many people want to use it as an excuse for failure, and they basically, oh, blame it on my, fill in the blank, ADHD in this case. And where I have a problem with that is, uh, you know, there were many things I was successful in life at doing. There were other things I was an epic failure in, and I didn't really know. Um, how to approach this. And what I might compare it to is uh, you, everybody is talking about personality tests and behavioral tests, like the Enneagram or the MBTI or the disc. And when you study these things, a lot of people take the test and then they put themselves in a box and then they say, Oh, I can't help it that I am rude. It's because of blame it on my, you know, fill in the blank, or I can't help it that I'm greedy, or I can't help it that I'm, and they fill in their their weaknesses. And that's really not the purpose of these tests. The purpose of these tests is to say, Hey, you have a proclivity in this area. You need to work on it. You know, you're strong over here. So focus on that, lead with that. And so the same thing should apply to somebody that is dealing with ADHD. And I don't want to get into how the, uh, I think they're called reuptake inhibitors in your brain, how they work together, but essentially to, to simplify it, oversimplified in layman's terms. When any of us are dealing with uh, stimuli, so when somebody's talking to us, when there's uh, something going on in the background, most quote unquote normal people can give 80, 90% of their attention to something and really pay attention to it and process what's going on. Unfortunately, somebody with ADHD has a very limited capacity to focus on one thing at a time considered almost like a Sherlock Holmes kind of a thing. So where the normal guy would just walk into a room and say, Hey, it looks like somebody died here. Sherlock Holmes is, you know, breaking the case down saying, well, it looks like this happened and that happened. And, and so somebody with ADHD, a lot of times is like, they're focused on the temperature of the room. They're focused on the TV in the background. They're you know, right in the middle of a conversation. They're like, Hey, did you know you have a white cat peeking out of the corner behind your couch over there? (laughs) You know, all of a sudden they've got 20 different things that are going through their mind And they're trying to stay focused. And I can't tell you how many times since I was a child, I would be in the middle of a conversation with somebody and literally forget what I was saying. And have to stop and go, "Um, I'm sorry. I got distracted by... You know, thinking about what I am going to eat for lunch, and somehow
2: <laughs> I think you just actually diagnosed me just just now. I think that I'm just having
3: it. a moment with my unicorns over here, guys. I'm like, hang on a second is is that what they are? I thought they were actually flying, shiny things with bright colored tails. Okay. <laughs> well,
4: one of the things I so as I began studying this, I began. It, all the literature i found a large percentage of it anyway was negative and it's because of something like this dsm this manual that so many people turn to it's considered a disorder and so i had this epiphany myself and i don't know if it's through the vast reading i was doing or the the podcasts or seminars or what i where i found this information but just for a moment we can't go back in history and accurately diagnose famous people, but we can, for the most part, see if they exhibited classic textbook symptoms. And so if you were to go down the line of people like Thomas Edison, Ben Franklin, I don't know, Leonardo da Vinci, Albert Einstein, uh, Ernest Hemingway, Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart, I mean, Walt Disney, I mean, the list goes on and on, hundreds and hundreds of people that we know of and recognize and respect as game changers. They all exhibited classic textbook ADHD symptoms. Their teachers told them they were going to be a failure. Their friends said, you're not going to ever make anything out of yourself in life. Go get a factory job to to Walt Disney because you're never going to make anything of yourself. You know, Albert Einstein. Which is the worst
2: thing, which is the worst thing to try to sit and do one (laughs) single thing. I suspect, I mean, just, just focus on this, put the lid on the thing as it goes by on the assembly line.
4: Absolutely. And so, so, uh, my apologies to anybody that has a factory job because that can be very well respected in some circles. But my point in saying that was simply that these people, the Wright brothers, Wilbur Wright has, uh, exhibited numerous traits that people are like, that guy had ADHD. So, what imagine this for a moment? What if we took all of these children in a classroom and, you know, 85% of them are, cooperative and working on everything, but you've got this small percentage of the children that are acting out. They're standing up, speaking out of turn, they're needing extra stimulation to process what's going on. And we say, you know what? And we found that there are, there are things you can do. So I don't want to, I don't want to dismiss any of the techniques because I use a lot of them. I don't want to dismiss medication. It's not a bad thing in when it's appropriate, but it's, it's an interesting thing. I want to take a little rabbit run here, but Um, What you'll find is medication, particularly stimulants, actually calm down an ADHD mind. So where most people take a stimulant and they get hyper, (laughs) if you take a, a an Adderall or Ritalin or something like that, many people with ADHD, it will actually calm their mind. down. that's why kids a lot of times will gravitate to sugar or caffeine in the morning because it's a mild stimulant and they don't even realize this makes me feel normal, you know. And so that normal word.
2: That's why Carrie goes to coffee. <laughs> now now we figured it out. Ooh. Carrie is yeah. all about the coffee. <laughs> yeah,
4: you know, coffee is a good thing. So although David and I have something in common there, we don't enjoy anything other than the smell of coffee.
2: <laughs> well, I don't even like the smell of coffee, but
4: that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll reel it back in here. Essentially, There's a diagnosis that it's a disorder. And then people have this negative stigma and they're embarrassed about it. They're uncomfortable. But hypothetically speaking, what if we could go back in history and start treating all of these children with ADHD? What if we treated Einstein with ADHD and he was normal or Walt Disney or Michael Jordan or Richard Branson from Virgin Airlines, Bill Gates, um, you know, Babe Ruth? I mean, there's just so many people that if you begin examining how the world has been changed by people with ADHD, you might realize maybe that's not something we need to treat. Maybe it's something that we need to flex, something that we can actually showcase and say, hey, if we were to try to make all of these people quote unquote normal, we would have missed out on so many interesting inventions or creativity or contributions to our society. And what happens is, People with ADHD traditionally view things from a different perspective. So that's what happens. And they're traditionally really good at making spontaneous decisions. So that can be a curse. It can definitely go against you like, I don't know why I did this. I just did it. So if you go back, though, 120 years, these children were learning in a very active environment where they had... Uh, all the senses engaged in a a day in the life of a child on the farm. And they were reading one or two books as a family. And you'd be surprised at the IQ level and the actual intelligence and academic learning that people in the 16 and 17 and 1800s had that were in circles where they did have a small learning environment. It's unbelievable the things they retained. They obviously didn't have the internet. I do believe that there is room for learning behavioral techniques that help you. I do believe there's room for taking medication. I, I have a prescription for Adderall. I'm not embarrassed to say it. And I use it as needed because I don't need, you know, I've found for me personally, I I can take Adderall and everything falls by the wayside I'm focused. And it's like Katie bar the door. I can just make progress on all kinds of opportunities, but I found that my creativity drops to almost nil. I have no creativity that is available. So then when I don't take it, I'm hyper creative, but I don't get a lot of things done. I have to deal with these distractions. And some of them, sometimes they are crippling. There's times I get to the end of the day and I'm like, I hardly got anything done. But here's something else that's interesting. And one of the things that happens with people with ADHD is they have a condition called hyper focus. And people will notice this with their children. They'll be, you know, asking them to do all kinds of things. And the child can't pay attention to anything. But you get them in front of their favorite TV show, or you get them in front of a pile of Legos, or they're engaged in something, they can spend hours and hours and hours doing that one thing on a video game or something that has completely consumed them. As a child, what I discovered is I love to read. I was a very slow reader, but I enjoyed reading everything I could get my hands on. But this hyper focus gives people, um, it's what some people call being in the zone. My brain, when I'm there, a lot of times, and again, there's so many layers to this thing and I'm not a doctor, but one, another thing about ADHD is they become adrenaline junkies. They become addicted to these, you know, your body is a chemical factory, it releases all of these different chemicals for you to process through life. And many times people with ADHD, because their re- uptake inhibitors, I think that's how you say it, are not functioning properly you end up with not getting the normal dose of adrenaline. And so you have to do something extreme to get the same dose that quote unquote normal people are getting from just, you know, you get up in the morning and you, get your cup of coffee, or you take a bite, a big old bite of a donut, or you stand up and stretch your body's releasing a bunch of chemicals saying, Hey, this feels good. I'm happy. You know, you step out in the sunshine and you're like, Oh, today's going to be a good day. The dog comes up and rubs up against your leg. And you're like, Hey, what a cute little puppy. Your, your dog is causing you to release a little bit of joy in your life. But people with ADHD many times don't get that same Burst and therefore, they have to do something extreme to get that same feeling. And that's why many children act out. They're doing something extreme so that they can get that attention that the other kids are satisfied with just a quick pat on the back or a little verbal affirmation. The ADHD child needs more. They need somebody to give them a big old hug and say, Hey, are you having a good day? How are you doing? Are you, you know, and all of a sudden, you'll see them relax, you'll see their mind get clarity. And when they're on a struggling on a test or struggling on a paper or something, that's not time to say, all right, drill down and focus, kid. That's time to say, hey, let's take a break. Let's take a walk. Let's pay attention to something else. And it's the same with adults. You see people cramped up in a little cubicle all day long, and they're going stir crazy because they're having a very difficult time focusing. So they turn to Facebook or they turn to you know, something, uh, a TV show, they turn to something on the radio and they're, they're not really giving their full focused attention at work. But if they, they found that if they'll take a break and they'll actually completely disengage their brain for a minute, when they come back, they're not just a little more productive, they're exponentially more productive.
1: Well, I have to confess, Paul, that when I was in school, I was extremely shy and I also did not have auditory learning on my list of things that I was good at. And so when someone would lecture or they would teach, I learned as a little, little bitty girl that I had to write notes so that I was engaged in a different way, or I would never know what they said. Yeah. So I understand like that part of it. What kind of thing besides your routines did you come up with to like overcome this, the, the downside of it, I should say, because I, I'm I with you. I think it's a superpower.
4: Yeah. Well, you know, when I was going to college, I decided it was about 2009. I noticed that so many kids were taking notes and I would try, but I would get lost in my notes. And then I it did the opposite for me when I was writing. I ended up being distracted by what I was writing. So I visited the office of ADA. I'm not going to keep throwing that has nothing to do with ADHD, but uh, they, they told me, hey, with if you've been formally diagnosed, you can actually get permission to use somebody else's notes in the class. So some of the kids that were really adept would be able to do exactly what you were doing and take these really meticulous, detailed notes, and then they would share them with me. And they'd get extra credit for it, and I'd be able to keep up with. Then I'd be able to pay attention in the lecture because I am an auditory learner. You know, I mean, adults deal with it, and it's often misdiagnosed because people want an excuse. You know, college kids, hey, I want the Adderall so I can stay up and cram. And it is in in one respect, uh, medication can be like a steroid. It can be a performance enhancing drug, but for somebody that um, doesn't have ADHD it has other detrimental effects you know it doesn't really calm their brain it just gets them on fire and they feel like hey i'm getting a lot of stuff a lot of stuff done but for somebody with adhd you actually calm down and you're like oh this is what everybody else feels like (laughs) you know
2: so we don't we don't all feel like that we're just kind of making it carrie what, what what do you have
3: i i don't know if i've got a question because i I have to admit that I've done no research on this topic whatsoever. I haven't either. Good. Thank you, David. Um, (laughs) I I am fascinated by so many things that you said, Paul, because, and and it's more of a a relational to what you've been saying, because I grew up on a farm. At one stage, I actually was in the fire brigade, and I have no inkling to jump out of planes, by the way. So... Maybe, maybe this is my diagnosis. I do not have ADHD. Maybe, however, unicorns and all that do do appear many times in, in a five minute window. So I, I don't know. Like I, I'm fascinated by the conversation. I don't think I actually have a question.
1: I just wanted to say, just for the Americans listening, when we talk about squirrels, that's carries unicorns. Like yes. there's been a lot of people that had a little bit of struggle in learning what that meant. That is a squirrel is what we say over here so
4: yes yeah translations i've actually wanted to write a book and i've 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 started notes on it i may never publish it but uh, called squirrels and butterflies you know my life uh, with adhd brilliant
3: (laughs) so i wonder if adhd has similar kind of after effects i guess you know do you need to recover after you've had one of those focus days, similar to us as social or non-social butterflies, whether we need to recover after we've been at a big event with a lot of people. Do you find that Paul? Yeah. Yeah, I I, I do. And
4: there, I don't know, I guess the negative stigma is the thing that really uh, bothers me the most is uh, automatically it, it's a bad thing. And I would really encourage people that, that do experience focus issues if you think you have it go get formally diagnosed because it will give you tools to not only be successful combating those personal things you're dealing with but publicly you'll be, I think you can actually lean into it you can actually flex and show some creativity that exceeds uh what your n- normal expectations would be and you can leverage those gifts instead of look at them as a you know a, a deficit or a disorder
2: we I've mentioned several times uh on the show uh life experience and what you're sharing with us paul is that you learned how to deal with what you didn't have diagnosed in certain ways but then once you got mo- the more of the diagnosis you could understand you had quote unquote that i want to call it permission just because that's what the show is about but you had that permission, you had that diagnosis, you had that understanding so you could apply to, oh, because this, then this, and you could either create these background solutions to help you focus or help you do a thing. But I go back to what I've said several times. It's that life experience. You've, you've gone through enough and now it's kind of responsible for, for people to catch on to the idea of, could that be me? Not that we're trying to diagnose the world but could that be me? Do I need to look for ways to put this stuff in a lane and, and give it, give it a direction so I can aim it at a problem and solve all kinds of great problems. I guarantee I would think Steve jobs, for instance, probably had the ADHD tendency and just made the world different.
4: Yeah. Yeah. I, I I do think so. And I think that for me, you know, obviously, I'm not an expert. I probably mispronounced things and said things wrong in here, and that's I'll okay. Cancel for the me. show. Cancel the show. Just <laughs> delete everything. But it, in in the grand scheme of things, if I hadn't found some tools, there there is a large percentage of people with ADHD that end up in. Uh, here's some interesting statistics. People with ADHD are significantly more prone to abuse drugs. They are into experimenting they there are people that end up in a very very racy relationships very dicey situations because they need that adrenaline rush and they need that engagement and as soon as that wears off they're on to the next relationship and so they end up developing habits that are very unfortunate and bad habits there's people that experiment with alcohol obviously and uh, so there's a large percentage of people that have been labeled in life and ended up Believing the label that was applied to them and said, okay, I'm I guess I just suck at life. I'm just not good at it. And therefore, I'm I might as well not even try. And that's where I've really been inspired by your show and your podcast about giving yourself permission to deal with the things in life that come against you and say, you know what? This isn't ideal for this scenario, but I'm gonna barrel through this. I'm gonna get through this one way or another. I'm gonna figure out a way to just, you know. Try to take one step at a time and it may not be perfect and I may not do it as good as the next guy, but I'm going to get it done. And I've found that and many times, if I can leverage that, I can actually start showcasing the things I'm good at. And people are like, oh, I didn't know that, but you have to get through that first layer of offense or that first layer of irritation. And so I'm very honest with people. Hey, I've got ADHD. So if I'm going off track, rein me back in. It's Okay. And it doesn't offend me. I can't have my feelings on my shoulder because I know that this is a condition that other people don't always deal with, but it is a reality for me. And if I don't do that, then I have to deal with the consequences of that. So, um, yeah, I, I, I did not introduce myself at the beginning of the show, David, you asked me to, and I didn't say a word deconstruction
3: is our favorite. We love anything deconstructed. (laughs) You are, you are on track, Paul. So
4: Paul, what, what? What is it that you do now, David? I'm so excited to be on this podcast today. (laughs) This is Paul Farmer coming to you from White House, Tennessee. So normally my day job, I am a digital marketer. I uh, run a small boutique marketing agency called Starfish SEO and Marketing. And you can find us at www.starfishseo.com. It's a little shameless plug there. But, uh, we help a lot of, uh, people do their Facebook reputation management, and we specialize in helping people that really have dealt with a negative situation and we try to turn it around. So if somebody gets online and says, Hey, you guys screwed up my life, blah, 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 you know, and fill it out. We coach them on how to respond to that and how to take a negative and hopefully turn it into a positive. And, uh, that's, uh, kind of the, a day in the life of Paul is dealing with uh, very irate and unhappy people.
2: Kind of like this podcast.
4: Yeah, I don't know. This is a fun place to be. There's <laughs> unicorns and squirrels and butterflies. I, I think I'll feel very at home here.
1: And I have one last question who really decided what's normal and what's not. Cause I think that's a big question underneath. This is what if Those things are normal and everybody else is not. So I'm
2: going to before before Paul answers, I'm going to throw in my theory and say that somebody decided it was controllable or not, not normal, but
4: it was easily focusable and controllable. Paul go. Uh, There is a famous quote by anonymous, whoever that guy is Hmm. that says uh, uh, history is written by and for the survivors. And the whole point of that is we don't really know the loser's perspective. And so I guarantee you, whoever diagnosed this the first time wasn't dealing with ADHD. They were offended by it. And they got to the DSM before the guys with ADHD got to the DSM. (laughs) And so they filled it in and said, this is abnormal. This is not normal. And so I think... Whoever got to the, to that point first wasn't dealing with the focus issues that somebody with ADHD was, and you're probably correct, David, somebody that felt like, hey, this is fixable if you just take this pill, if you're just more like me, but I I don't want a world where everybody's alike. I, I think that would be a very boring place to live.
3: Hello, Paul. Yes, absolutely. And I think <laughs> I've even said that on this show before, that if everyone was the same, the world would be boring. Yes, Yes. And I could add some lovely, colorful language to that, and I won't. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Perfect.
2: <laughs> I've diagnosed myself, and maybe folks in our audience can connect with us and give us their info at yourpermissiontowin.com and let hit us up and tell us about your experiences with this. Has this been a negative situation that you've had to deal with? Do you know folks who have dealt with that? Tell us about your ideas for quote unquote normalizing these types of uh, things that folks deal with. We all deal with stuff. That is the whole point. This is, that is the whole point of permission to win. We all deal with stuff and we you know, we're just trying to figure out little by little how to deal with the little things. Well, Paul, thank you for being our first external guest and, and helping us recognize all kinds of, uh possibilities as it were
1: he always does (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much paul
0: thank you
4: Paul. yes thank you all for having me
0: thanks for spending time with david and kim now it's your turn to explore permission in your world if you have any thoughts ideas or questions about the show please email info at your permission to And although they don't need permission to produce new episodes, they sure would appreciate it. Your permission, in the form of a five-star rating and review, will help keep the show going. Until next time, here's your permission to win.